Hi, this is Michael Lowe, and you're listening to May I Ask You a Question? My next guest is Ken Flower, church planting resident at Doxa Church in Bellevue, Washington. He, his wife Beth, their three kids, and their dog Ransom moved to the Pacific Northwest this past summer. Ken and I had two conversations that are broken up into five episodes. This first episode focuses on Ken's upbringing and his life through college. If you want to get in touch with Ken, his email and contact info is in show notes. Oh, and to the two people who are actually listening, my apologies for the audio quality. I'm working on fixing that. Thanks for listening. Ken Flower, thanks for coming to my podcast. Absolutely. It's good, it's good to be here on the on this uh on the what's the name of this podcast may i ask you a question that's right it's good to be on may i ask you a question and you may (laughs) thank you so much so my first question is how did you get here how did you get to the pacific northwest and uh where you are just with your testimony and schooling and whatever else so mostly we took (laughs) i-70 sorry that was a travel joke we drove here from ohio um, but that, yeah, that speed, that fast forwards it a little bit. So we, we've been here since August, uh, end of August is when we moved, uh, married, uh, my wife, Beth, we have three kids. And, uh, before that we were in Columbus, Ohio for about nine, almost nine years. And prior to that, we were in Southern California for about 10 years. So I'm, I'm kind of doing this backwards. And then, uh, mm-hmm. before that I grew up in Virginia, Okay. A little bit of time in Illinois. So pretty much born in Indiana, grew up in Virginia till I was 16. Cool. Um, my, my, for my dad's job, we moved from Virginia to Illinois, graduated high school there in Illinois. What and, city in Illinois? Uh, Springfield. Okay. Yeah. Right in the middle. Not, where the, where not the Simpsons where the were. <laughs> they never say what Springfield is. Yeah. There's so like four knows? or five of them. Um, so yeah, I grew up, uh, mostly in Virginia, a little bit in Illinois. Then my parents moved to Michigan when I graduated high school, but I came out to California, okay. uh, in 2000 and started college in Southern California. And, uh, that's where Beth and I met. Okay. And then, um, we, uh, we got married a, a week after graduating college, <laughs> <laughs> super, uh, super fun time for us. And our family was all visiting for graduation. So we're just oh, like, perfect. let's just yeah. do it. Like, let's do it all at the same time. So yeah. got married after college and then we stayed in Southern California for another six years after college. And okay. I did seminary. I went to, um, Biola to Talbot for okay. seminary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, while at the same time, uh, serving a church down in Southern California as a junior high pastor initially, and then as the high school college pastor after that, and then we moved from uh, Southern California in 2010. We had, at that point, we had two kids, and we moved to Ohio to help start a church. Okay. And did that for nine years um, in Ohio. And then this is, I'm, I'm assuming we'll come back to some of this, but yeah. we uh, basically nine years in Ohio, and then realized we wanted to be, um, <clears throat> wanted to be pursuing church planting again and serving the church full time. And so started praying about what that would look like. And we're praying about specifically about uh, going to a church that we could learn with and would be able to send us out to plant. And um, we could really kind of embed in that church for a period of time and then be sent out uh, after both learning and also after really kind of creating a, a core group to go with us. 
And so that's what brought us out here because there was a church in, or there is a church in Bellevue, Washington called Doxa, which we knew of and had some connection to and knew that there would be a lot of alignment with kind of where we were and what we wanted to be doing. and In terms of vision, values. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ministry, philosophy, vision, theology, um, how we would want to plant, all those things. Like and, core principles. Yeah. yeah. And, and there'd be a leadership team that we'd be excited to learn from. And so that's mostly what brought us here. We also had been praying about specifically about um, coming west again uh, yeah. from Ohio and, and looking at the Pacific Northwest as a place that we uh, were really praying about and interested in coming to spend so, lo- longer time at. So uh, we'll get to some of those things. but um, <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, it sounds like church was kind of in your life for uh, like yeah. since you were born. Is that true? Yeah, so my parents were believers. Uh, both, I, both newer believers, I think, really kind of became followers of Jesus in college, mm-hmm. um, and they met, uh, my mom was in college when they met, my dad was in the Air Force, he was stationed near where she was in, oh, in okay. college, and they were both newer believers and growing a lot in their uh, discipleship and following Jesus, and then uh, when we, I was born about, let's see here, they were married in 79, so yeah, I was born just a few years after they were married, and we were a part of churches from when I was born on, um, I think my parents were learning a ton, even as I was growing up, like their discipleship and following Jesus was, uh, was really, it was just a really important time in their life. There were people in their lives and, um, things that God was teaching them both through some trial in our family's life and through mentors that shaped them. And so it was, it was a very, I think, kind of transformative time for our whole family. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were just little kids at that time, but um, grew up in in different churches, uh, mostly in Virginia, where we were at the time, and um, also grew up in a Christian school at the time okay. that was formative in, in some key ways for me when I was a kid. And, and so um, you heard the gospel pretty much since you can remember. At what point did it hit you yeah. and kind of resonate with you and like, oh, I, I want yeah. this? Yeah, you know, I I think I heard the I I always understood as for as long as I can remember the maybe the key tenets of what the you know the gospel says or what orthodox Christianity tells us, which is that there is a God that the God is three persons, one God, and that that Jesus is is God, is the Son of God, and He came, sacri- you know, lived lived for us, died for us, rose again for us, and that it's only through him that we can be restored in a relationship with God. So all those kind of basic building blocks of what the Christian faith is, I always heard. But I think what I lacked for a lot of my life was understanding, I think, both my need for grace and and, mm. and also my inability to um, to make up you know, to, my inability to to please God. I mm. think for a lot of my life, uh, I thought if I just did the right thing, even though like I knew, so what I was hearing, it taught to me was it's only by the grace of God and his favor through, you know, through the work of Jesus that I can sure. have any sort of relationship with him. But what functionally I was seeing all around me in a very, so it was in, in the South, in Virginia, in a, 
uh, very Bible belty town, Lynchburg, where Liberty University is. There's a million churches in the town. Cultural Christianity is kind of the, it's the, it's in the air. So everyone's a Christian just because that's where you live. Yeah. And so a huge part of the Christianity I grew up in was like our super legalistic. It's, it's kind of up to you to be good enough. So more the mindset is you, you're saved by God's grace, but then you got to maintain your Mm. salvation. Yeah. Yeah. I think is really functionally the way people act and believe is like you get in the door by his grace, but then it's kind of up to you to stay a Christian and, and remain in his grace. And, and so that was not what my parents believed or taught me, but it was just the air I was in. Sure. And I think then in in high school especially, I I was conflicted because I thought I need to I need to look the way people want me to look. Mm. So that idea of like how that you need to look a certain way so that you're going to be approved mm-hmm, mm-hmm. embedded in me. Yeah. And it carried over in not just to my relationship with God, but into my relationships with everyone else. So I kind of took on this idea of, I, I know what I need to be or who I need to be in order for people to approve of me. Sure. Yeah. And when I go to like, that I, was a level of confidence for your faith of like the yeah. other people's approval and like, okay, am I following the rules that this culture has set? Yeah. But at the same time, you kind of had this like almost an intellectual kind of like ascent to like, okay, yeah, these are the true doctrinal answers. But then there was not quite a dissonance, but like there was maybe two parallel yeah. things. Like mentally you were here and this is what you ascribed to, but then it just, it was, you had trouble kind of living it out the same way yeah. in, in its fullest sense. Yeah, because I, w- I was conflicted because it, it all depended who I was around. So mm. if I was at, if I was with our church or the Christian school, I needed to look a certain way. So I was, I did the, the things you needed to do. But then when I switched to a public school in high school and the people I wanted to be accepted by looked different. They were, they weren't Christians. They didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't care about Jesus. And so, you know, what their world looked like was drastically different in in a lot of ways. And so I now needed to fit in with that group. I wanted their acceptance. I wanted to be approved of by them. So it created this huge conflict in me of who, like, of my, at my behavior really looking very different depending who I was with. Mm. At the core, though, I was the same person. I mm-hmm. was just, at the core, I was a person becoming whoever I needed to be mm-hmm. to gain the approval of whoever I was with. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a huge part of, like, you know, for me growing up and into high school. And it wasn't until halfway through high school that I think, by God's grace, I hit a point where I realized I can't continue down trying to be these two different people. Yeah. Um, even though I really wasn't two people, I was the same person mm-hmm. trying to please whoever I was with. Yeah. Like that was my core issue. But at the time it looked drastically different. I was, you know, trying to, you know, fit in with the partying crowd at my high school sure. and also fit in with my church and youth group. And yeah. um, I, I did see at least at that point, at least I saw like, I can't keep doing all of this. I, I have to make a choice. It kind of came to mm. like a clarity of like, I got to, I got to pick who I'm going to follow. Like there has to be a consistency. Yeah. Like there just can't be. Yeah. Not a, 
I don't know, the word that comes to mind is the dualistic yeah. type of an idea, but it, it wasn't to for the sake of living two lives. Right. But do, you, do you almost view that time of your life as like, you're just kind of searching and trying to figure it out? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I... I didn't understand that my biggest issue at the time was that I, my biggest problem was I believed I needed people's approval of me mm-hmm. to be happy. Mm-hmm. And so that was my core issue. But I did see like, I can't keep, I can't go down both these roads at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that was clear to me. It was just inconsistent and yeah, kind of, was, I, 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 like, your conscience wouldn't allow it. I, yeah, exactly. Like I, there was enough of a like, the, the spirit working in my in my conscious to say like I can't claim to be a follower of Jesus or a Christian and and still walk down this other path mm-hmm. and so at that time I thankfully at least was able to I was able to say okay well I, I want to I want to choose to follow Jesus even though I didn't see the other core things going on in me I, I at least knew I did want to follow Jesus I didn't want to walk away from him mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. was clear then and so there was a real like it was it really was a moment of like I'm I'm a crossroads a fork in the road and I'm ha- I have to pick. Is there a, a seminal moment in your mind? I can't think of a specific day, but there was a season. It was like right before my junior year of high school, mm-hmm. and I was basically went to my parents and said I was I had been at a public school for the last two years, and for me that was the danger there was because that's where the group of friends were that I so desperately wanted to please Mm -hmm. and was then causing me to then pursue all these other things to fit in with them. And so I went to my parents and said, I don't want to, I can't go back. Mm -hmm. And like basically said, I need to go back to this Christian school that I went to in elementary school. Mm. And for me, I think that was probably, I don't remember the exact day, but that decision was really driven by me. They didn't, they didn't ask me to do that. Were they conscious of like the, the, Oh yeah. Yeah. Were they concerned? Oh yeah, yeah. There, there was many a conversation with my parents, <laughs> like son. Long, come here and listen. Long talk. conversations, which I praise God for, because God used it. I mean, there was long conversations that I hated, but that my parents were trying to get. Not they weren't content with just my behavior. They they knew there was something going on in my heart that yeah. they were trying to understand as best as they could, and and we had a lot of conversations. And God used that. That was part of what He was using to help me see, like I can't. I got to choose who I'm going to follow. What, when you think about the, the crowd, like uh, for lack of a better word, but the public school crowd that you were yeah. trying to um, uh, please or, or be in with, uh, what attracted you about it? Like, what is it that you think you were, like in retrospect, that you're trying to serve or that you were like, was yeah. it the coolness factor? But even that's kind of abstract. What was it about it that kind of made you think, yeah, like, I, think I want to be a part of this. I think it's just the, it's that like core desire of you see a group of people that you see a group of people that are liked and, and have, you know, that they have a reputation mm. and people think highly of them and, and you want to be a part of that. I mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of that. I wanted people to think highly of me. I wanted to be liked. And so what, you know, what do I need to gain that? And at that time, at that moment, I wasn't, conscious or aware of those thoughts in my heads but now I look back and that's super clear to me and so even even when I you know there there was that fork in the road that turning point for me where I I think was really the the first time I said okay like I want to be whatever this looks like I want to I want to be a follower of Jesus and I want to give myself to him wholly not just part of me and I knew I couldn't I couldn't 
you know, compartmentalize my life the way I had anymore. And so that was huge. And I think my discipleship really started in a lot of ways. I mean, it had been going all through childhood because my parents discipled me and my church did in a lot of things, but really me pursuing it started at that point. Mm -hmm. That was halfway through high school. We moved shortly after that from Virginia to Illinois, which I think was God's grace because it basically pulled me out of that whole world and just put me in a new place. Easier to have a fresh start that way. Fresh start. And we went into a small church where there was no youth group, but there was a pastor who loved loved Jesus, godly man, and just wanted to invest in me. And Mm -hmm. we'd go out. He took me out to dinner every other week and just talk and we'd ask, ask me questions and teach me things. And Hmm. so that was really, I think that was really impactful and influential in my life and is really what led to me wanting to go to a Christian college to pursue ministry. Mm -hmm. And that there had been some idea of that even earlier than that. And, but that really, I think cemented it. He gave me opportunities to teach in our small church and, just affirmed some of the things he saw in me. And that's, yeah. that's when I first started thinking, okay, I think I might, this might be something I want to pursue. And Wait, um, was that the first thoughts of, of wanting to go into full-time ministry? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was like kind of towards the end of high school. Um, I, I led a Bible, it started a Bible study okay. at the end of high school when we moved to Illinois and led that and had kind of people that were in a small way with a group of high school friends looking to me for some leadership. Mm -hmm. But I think doing that and teaching that gave me a taste of something and also helped me see that maybe I had some gifts in these areas that Mm -hmm. I could pursue and build on and grow and stuff. Excuse me. As you look back and think about uh, just the, the, those moments in high school of kind of wanting to be with the cool crowd or also, also then wanting to also be, well, I'll say the cool secular crowd and then yeah. also um, living the church life. Um, I guess part of what I'm wondering is, especially being in kind of a, a legalistic culture um, that may not have the purpose of being legalistic, but just ends up being that way, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you kind of view that as like it was part of your journey or I, I for me growing up in church I, I I've always kind of I used to feel more like was it right or wrong right. to do that right as opposed to there's a, kind of a, a course or a journey that God has to take us on or and, and God has to show us certain things uh for almost uh for me I know just, I've been too dumb to realize it any other way except um, to have this comparative, like, oh, you know what? I've, I've tried pursuing these things, but they're not as satisfying. Right. Uh, like, do, do you view it more as a journey, or do you feel like, oh man, I really hate that I, you know, did any part of that? I mean, yeah. not that they have to be mutually exclusive yeah, either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certainly, I don't know. There's, there's things that I would, I would love to be able to say, yeah, I'd never. Like, I didn't do that. There's mm-hmm. things I'd love to be able to go back and make that decision again and decide not to do that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Things I'd like to take back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the same time, like, I know this is the story that God's been writing in my life. Mm-hmm. And and um, and the, you know, allowing me, I, I chose, I chose, I, I chose to walk away from him at points in my life. Mm-hmm. But then also in that, you know, realized how unsatisfying 
that is and, mm-hmm. um, and, and the emptiness of it. And I would love to be able to go back and not walk away. Yeah. Um, for sure. But, but I did. And, but through that now, I mean, I, I through that, I can tangibly say that didn't satisfy mm-hmm. and, and Jesus was so much better. Yeah. I, I guess too, like part of what I, I, I think that what I'm going to say could have some dangers if, if it's seen without proper nuance, but, um, I, I've wondered and maybe even fear, um, that the American Christian culture sees life too exclusively through the lens of morality. Mm. Um, and, and it, um, tends to diminish the relational aspect, like the reconciliation aspect and like, um, just kind of, um, and, and kind of seeing things in a sense of value, like, you know, I've seen these things, I've experienced some of them, and the value of them is so far less than right. uh, what I've found in Christ. Right, right. Um, I guess that's kind of part of how I'm asking it, yeah, too. Yeah. Like, it just, the, the, in, uh, there is, in my mind, danger of seeing things too much through the lens of yeah. morality. Well, I think, I think that's for, for sure. So the Christianity I grew up in, it was really, you like, you talked about, so I'm thinking like, I don't know if you remember the True Love Waits campaign, mm-hmm. which yeah. was like a big thing for youth groups back in the in the 90s. Maybe it still is, I don't know. But uh, the big thing then was like, it was just, it was the focus on abstinence. It was a focus on don't think about sex, stay away from sex. Mm-hmm. And as a high schooler, I think you think like, like, they're, it's like they're saying, it almost seems like they're saying sex is bad yes. versus saying sex is an amazing gift when it's given, when it's when it's pursued the way God's designed it to be pursued. Right, right? in its proper so, context. In its yeah. proper context. It's his gift that we he gives us to enjoy. And so I think... Morale, like there's there definitely was in the in the context I grew up in a like just don't do that because it's wrong mm-hmm. and my parents weren't that way in a lot of ways I mean they were they were di- they were very different in a lot of ways and especially later on as in their own discipleship as they grew and them trying to shepherd our hearts and not just modify our behavior was a big part of like how, my story when God was even changing me, that was a big part of the conversations we were having as they were going after my heart. Um, but I, I, I definitely see that the Christianity I grew up on was very much like a Christianity of don't do this, you need to do this, this right. is wrong, this is right. And, you know, now, like, as, as we parent our kids, we have three kids, yeah. and one of them's in middle school, and then we have a third grader and one that's about to start kindergarten. And we, when... There is an element, like when they're young, 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 it, there is a just, this is, don't touch this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. right yeah. We're not going to explain why. They, yeah. They're too young to understand why. They just need to know this will hurt you. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Don't do this. And But as they grow, there is a, we want them to understand um, the why. Like, mm-hmm. we want them to understand, you know, this is this is not going to make you happy, mm-hmm. right? So, like, stay away from this, Not not just because... We, we say it's wrong, but because here's why, like God is, 
God has created us in this way and like this goes against his design and what he has for us. He has so much better for us if right. we just trust his way. His way is so much better. Or this is a good thing, but he wants to give it to you at, in this way and not this way. So just like yeah. explaining things, you know, in that sense versus mm-hmm. like this is right, this is wrong, which yeah. is really the legalistic kind of Christianity I grew up in was that. Which yeah. just makes you want to like go rebel against it right yeah like it just it feels controlling it feels restrictive and it feels um this could sound really critical but at times it feels unthinking yeah and um well it's it is it's there's a laziness i mean this it is does sound critical but there's a there's a it's easier just to modify to say don't do this do this it's that's easier to parent that way versus to help them see it's you know it's more complex and nuanced mm-hmm. and like to get to their heart and help them see, you know, their desires are not bad, but they need to trust God to fulfill those desires in the way He's designed and like yeah. all of that. Like because otherwise, if you just say no, right, then they hear us saying my desire is wrong. Yes, sure, and yeah. that's a problem because and the rest of the world's going to tell them that it's perfectly right. normal because and good. God's given them those desires, right? right? Yeah, and so yeah. And I think the two analogies that I always, uh, not always think of, but I have come back to more recently is like with uh, with like a, f- a fruit tree, right? Like yeah. you want the fruit to go grow, but you can't just by force of will cause the fruit to be there. Right. Like in the same way, you can't just tell your kid behave this way. Right. Ultimately, like right. as they grow up, you need to tell them that there's other things, there's other habits that you need to create that will cause the fruit to grow it, yeah. like watering you know yeah. making sure there's enough sunlight yeah whatever else and in the same way there's human behaviors that we need to manifest uh, yeah. we need to have that will manifest you know christian fruit yeah um and then the other image that I, i've thought about more is like a puzzle where like whenever i do a puzzle it's always the easiest stuff first like the edge right. pieces the pieces with most color contrast but then at some point, if you really want to see the beauty of the full puzzle of the picture that's there, you have to push into the harder things, the things without as much contrast. And you right. have to keep like trying to put the harder pieces together. And if you focus too much on behavior, that's like just, oh, let's just do the edge pieces again, yeah. because those are the easiest ones for, for right. me as a parent to grapple with and right. to explain. And yeah. Um, yeah. and so it's kind of what, I, uh, yeah. what I've, yeah. I've seen in my own life and hearing a little bit in yours, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. I think... I think, yeah, it's, it's parenting is hard, messy, you know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's, um, it takes a lot of energy. And the things that you say of, won't land yeah, for probably yeah. decades. Yeah. And sometimes you feel, yeah, you feel like you're not making any sense and you're, you don't know what's sinking in and sometimes you're saying the wrong thing right. and you realize that later. Yeah. But then, God is good. That's why. You know, when we were first parents, someone told us that if if we were perfect parents, our kids wouldn't need a savior. So mm. um, the fact that they need a savior, that's, you know, they have a savior. It's not us. Right. Yeah. And so that's okay. We're going to fail them and mess up and that's okay. Yeah. They're going to be sitting on a, in a podcast interview one day or whatever the future, <laughs> a hologram. Yeah, interview. right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, telling about our failures as parents, and that's okay. Yeah. Because hopefully they'll, along with that, be uh, speaking of Jesus's sufficiency. Yeah. And all of that in their childhood. Yeah. yeah. Um. So then after high school. Yeah. You said, okay, I'm gonna go to Christian college. Yeah. So and then you ended up in Southern California. 
Yeah, so we we wanted to go to a Christian college. My or I did, um, and my youth pastor back in Virginia, and then the pastor that we when we moved to Illinois, the pastor of our small church, both had learned a lot from the teaching ministry of John MacArthur. Okay. And so one that they recommended was the Master's College, which is in uh, just north of LA in, mm-hmm. in Santa Clarita. And um, so really, I looked at that, and I looked at another Christian college in the Midwest, but just looked at a couple and just decided. I, I visited the Master's College and loved the the visit I had and could see myself there. And so didn't really explore that much else except a visit to there and then decided that's where I wanted to be. Yeah. And financially, it was going to be possible for us to do that. And so yeah. headed out west from there. That was in 2000. Okay. Yeah. And then um, speak to how the college experience, I mean, yeah. obviously you met Beth, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then how that all kind of uh, fed into your thought process of, hey, I, yeah, I really do want to be a pastor, yeah. and I want to do ministry with Beth, and so on. I would say, sort of, if, if I were to boil it all down, the four years were, they were really tr- like tremendously transformative time in my life. Mainly, the biggest reason was the, the life, the life on life relationships that happened in the dorm. So I was in a dorm with, I don't know, a hundred other guys and it was, but it wasn't just, it wasn't just a, a dorm. It was, there were, there were people that really wanted to be intentional with discipling each other and walking with Jesus together. And I, just to live in a community of other people that said, Hey, we want to we want to grow and we want to follow Jesus and we want to help others know him more and follow him. And so come along with us and to be with some older guys. And then as I got older to help some younger guys, it was just tr- hugely influential and transformative for me to be in that environment. Um, more than anything, I mean, the, the classes, there, there were classes that were really helpful and things, obviously things I learned, but probably the most impactful thing for me was the dorm life and some of the some of the people that I got to know hmm. that really invested in me um, and in my friends during that time and some of the relationships that God gave during that time so that that would probably be the biggest thing that well meeting Beth would be the biggest but <laughs> um, in, in terms of my personal discipleship that was huge yeah um, and then Beth and I yeah we were in, we were really in the same group of friends from the beginning and then we're friends for a long time, for a year or a year and a half before we really started all of a sudden, just for some reason, we just all of a sudden the light turned on like, oh, why, why would we not pursue each other? And so yeah. we became special friends at that point <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and dated for about a year, a year and a few months and got engaged and then got married right after that. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is college helps me see that I think both refined some of my ministry experience and gifts. I got to do a lot of ministry while in college. So I mm-hmm. served as an RA resident assistant yeah. on the wing, which really for at that time, the role was not just, um, not just managing a wing, but it was really trying to own the discipleship of that floor or yeah. that wing in your dorm and to not own it in terms of I need to disciple everyone, but to create an environment in that hall where discipleship is happening and guys are investing in each other as much as people want it. And so that was really helpful for me. And that also meant I got to be poor. I got to learn from some older 
uh, guys that were serving as resident directors. Okay. Um, and, and so that was that was impactful for me, and it gave me experience doing some of that discipleship ministry that I, I think has been huge for me throughout our life. And and then um, also some of the classes, I, you know, I got to dig into Greek and and yeah. some more exegesis, like New Testament stuff. I realized I really liked that and yeah. enjoyed that, enjoyed the like foundations of preaching. Bible study. Or studying exactly. the Bible, yeah. yeah. How to how to study a passage and understand it, and then teach it to someone else. And so, those are probably the biggest things that um, that I think c- cemented this desire that I wanted to pursue serving a church full time. And so, when we graduated, we had already. I basically I did an internship a su- during a summer between junior and senior year at a EV free church down uh, about an hour south of where our college was, and um, so you after, were driving down there every uh, week? for the summer. I lived down there, oh, okay. and then That's yeah, right. our senior year, Beth and I drove down every Sunday okay. to be a part of the church because we, at that point, we knew we were going to move there after we graduated okay. from college. And I had received an invitation to come down and serve as the junior high director, okay. and then to do seminary at the same time. And so, um, how far was it from Talbot? Uh, so we, so the church we were at was in Corona, and That's it was right. about. I think about 20 miles, Okay. but it, you know, it was the 91 freeway. So yeah. it could be anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and a half. It just depended. <laughs> the wonderful LA freeways. Yeah. Um, so when you, like at some point you became more and more convinced that you were, <clears throat> that you wanted to do full-time ministry. Uh, what were those conversations like with Beth? Like, and, yeah. and what were you, like, was there something that you, specifically noticed about her you're like yeah she'd be a, a, a wonderful so uh, she, partner for ministry one yeah. of the pastor's wife yeah I, you know i never like i never had this idea of what a pastor's wife looked like like i didn't come from my parent you know my, my dad wasn't a pastor so mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't grow up in pastor families and so i didn't really have this preconceived idea of the pastor's wife and i wasn't looking for a specific partner <laughs> yeah. you know that would fit a certain mold um, really Beth and I just, we worked so well together mm-hmm. when well, we still do. We just were such good partners mm-hmm. and su- such good friends. Um, we complimented each other really well. So I, and I, and I got to see that in a lot of ways because she, even before we got married, because she, she was an RA as well and worked in, um, in the, on the, on the women's side of our same dorm. And we did a lot of things together with our wings and, and did a lot of ministry together. And then we did that year traveling down to Corona together, doing ministry together and pouring into junior high students together. And we just, we just worked really well together and we're good friends. Mm -hmm. And, and so I I think she kind of knew, I mean, from that, from the time we started dating on that I was wanting to do full-time ministry. Yeah. And (laughs) it wasn't like, (laughs) it wasn't like a surprise. Yeah. And she was very open to that. She, she also did not grow up, she grew up in a Christian family, but did not grow up in a pastor's home. Yeah. So she didn't have any preconceived idea of what the pastor's wife or family should look like. We yeah. both really went into it, just kind of like up for figuring it out together. Yeah. And I think that was good because we, we didn't have any sort of expectations for it. We just were excited to be doing it together. And we knew we worked, we knew we were good partners, um, not, not just in ministry, but in life. Like we really fit each other well, so... It sounds too like uh, uh, generally you, uh, one of the things that you value a lot um, as 
just a Christian person, but also a Christian leader is, is discipleship. Did, yeah. did you see that in Beth as like, did you both kind of, oh, yeah. like you just saw, the, there's just a shared high priority of yeah. discipleship. Yeah. I mean, she genuinely cared for the, the women that were in her dorm and was intentional with trying to be a help to them and, mm-hmm. and helping them follow Jesus, helping them get unstuck when they were stuck in different places. And yeah, I mean, we were both learning a ton and ha- have learned a lot since then that, you know, ministry looks different now in a lot of ways than it did then. But it, it, as much as we knew then she had, she just consistently had a love for the girls that were in her dorm and invested in them. And, um, and I learned a lot from her seeing yeah. that, seeing how she did that. And uh, it was challenging to me. All right, that concludes episode one of my conversations with Ken. In the next episode, we discuss life after college in Southern California and Ken's thought process on how to plant and lead a church. Stay tuned.